y'all. Kate here. Welcome to Femme Fandom. Today we are going to talk about Frozen 2 and I'm going to journey into the unknown. With me is Fern. Hey. And Megan. Into the unknown. Into <laughs> the unknown. Into the unknown! Okay. Uh, I really loved that song. Oh, it's so good. It's been stuck in my good. head. It's been stuck in my head. <laughs> I wake up every like every day just like with that in my head like oh such a good song such a good song but you didn't like you it. didn't no. like it oh, I love that I song. thought they were trying way too hard to be let it go but it didn't resonate with me like let it go did no it definitely did not resonate with me the way that let it go did like, I I felt like the music in this movie was not as good as the music in agreed. the first one mostly because they tried to do too much storytelling through the music. It was more like, I'm speaking, but I'm singing it. Okay, well, we can get into that in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Let me give a little bit of background real quick. Do it. So, we have Frozen 2. It is... We do need to give you a heads up on spoilers, because this is a fairly new movie, and we don't want to ruin it for you if you haven't seen it, so feel free to join us next week if you don't want spoilers. Otherwise... Come along for the ride. The movie was directed by Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck. Uh, So we have a female director, which is kind of badass and Mm -hmm. I love. I always get excited when I see that because, you know, you gotta gotta have some representation in that area. We don't don't get it very often. Um, Box office. In comparison to Frozen 1. Frozen 1 has grossed total um, $1.27 billion for the one. At this point, about a month and a half out, Frozen 2 has $1.16 billion. Huh. I wonder what the opening day numbers, what the difference in the opening day numbers are. I would be interested in that as well. I did not bother to look that up. That's okay. I'm just so, curious. It'd be interesting. But yeah. So that. this movie has so far been kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see the little fire newt everywhere. Salamander. Everywhere you got, you know, freaking Adam Lambert singing a cover of Into the Unknown and Was that Adam Lambert? I thought it was Brendan Urie. I'm pretty sure it's Adam Lambert. Now I'm gonna check it because now I'm I thought it was Brendan Urie because we were sitting there listening to it and I was like, ooh, this is Brendan Urie. Zach was like, what? I was like, no. Can I get the discount? Come on, man. (laughs) I am 90% sure it's Adam Lambert. Oh, see, I I was 90% sure it was Brendan Urie, so this is very interesting. (laughs) Let's find out who's right. I have no idea. I'm super interested. It was a person singing. But it is Panic at the Disco. Yeah! Megan wins. I know my singing voices. Also, I love Brendan Urie. Fair enough. He's a delight. um, You know, having that... That song, it's just, it's everywhere. There's, this is everywhere. You go to Target, there's an entire fucking aisle of just Frozen 2. It's nuts. Oh, it's bonkers. And the toys had come out before the movie did, so it was really weird, because I was like, what is this horse? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is this thing? Why the is horse there a horse pump? in the salamander? Because yeah. I'm like, why is there a lizard in Scandinavia? <laughs> yeah, like, what is, is going happening? on? <laughs> what Scandinavia, is you okay? <laughs> like, what is going you good? on? <laughs> Scandinavia, you drunk, go home. <laughs> yeah. However, when I saw that salamander, I was like, okay, well, now, now I have to see the movie. Now, now there is there lizard. is a myth in that, um, in Scandinavia, about a lizard 
that is a fire lizard. Oh, um, Which I found out later. Interesting. Because, of course, my husband, who loves myths and legends and religions, I was like, why is there a lizard? He's like, well. Um, he should listen so, to the Myths and Legends up. podcast. I don't know if I've ever talked to him about that. It's you might want to let him know. It's very, very good. Um, myths and Legends podcast. I'm giving a free shout out. It's very, very good. Oh, it's so good. It is. I love um, it. So yeah, so it was, it, it's okay that there's a lizard there, apparently, because mm-hmm. it's part of the mythos. But yes, the horse the was horse. amazing. But yeah, when the toys first coming out, I'm like, like why is there a horse made of ice? Horse? Maybe Elsa confused. creates it? I'm like, what yeah. is going on? Yes, this. The, 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 the this is great for a podcast, everyone. We're doing, <laughs> we're doing hands. We're doing hands. You can see them. It's fine. <laughs> throwing hands. Y'all don't want these hands. <laughs> uh, what else you got? Background. We we went way. Oh, yeah, it's fine. From there, just be the uh, the synopsis. So. You saw it most recently, Miss Megs. I saw it last night. Nice. <laughs> it's cool. I left my notebook with all my notes at home. Nice. So we're both just we're, winning. It's great. I didn't we're write any fine. notes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well. <laughs> anyway. Bring it back. So. Coming back um, to the synopsis. Our dear producer, Rick, looked up our numbers for us on oh, debut. Because thank you, Rick. he's, you know, he's, Rick. One. he's Rick and it's what he does. Uh, Frozen 1 debuted with 200 $43,390 in the debut. You mean no, so million? No. No? No. Just Okay. Just and then Frozen 2 was $127 million Wow. The well, there's the difference because nobody knew what Frozen was when it first came out. Yeah. Right. The the craziness didn't hit until it was like a month or two in and then, then Disney was like, oh, <laughs> everyone loves it. Everyone loves <laughs> oh, God. It. What did we do? Yeah. <laughs> like, here's merchandise, guys. <laughs> Take it off. Here's all the merch. So, synopsis from this movie. We open up on the city of Arendelle, and it is basically, the the beginning part of the movie is Anna assuring Olaf, who has this whole weird arc throughout the movie of, like, getting older, that even though you get older and lots of things change, there are some things that never change, and that's, like, the opening part of the movie. And then you move on to them having fun family time, and then there's Elsa, who starts to hear these weird noise, like, this weird voice calling to her, um, and she tries to play it off, but eventually she sees into the unknown song where she realizes that she's not going to be able to play this off and she's going to have to go out and figure out where this voice is coming from. We get a flashback to their mom and dad telling them the story about the Enchanted Forest and how this mist had fallen over the Enchanted Forest and locked everybody out because the spirits of the elements were upset about a conflict between Arendelle and... What was the tribe's uh, name? Norludrins. Norludrins? So uh, Elsa and Anna decide they have to go into the forest and into the mist to, to right this wrong. And basically the rest of the movie is just them finding their way to this mystical river that has all the knowledge of what has ever happened in the world. They discover that their grandfather actually attacked the Norludrins, and so in order to right the wrong of the universe, they have to tear down a dam that was messing up all the energy of the spirits. Elsa finds out that she is the fifth spirit, the bridge between the spirit realm and the people, and so she ends up saving Arendelle and stays up north as the fifth spirit, and Anna becomes the queen, and that's really the whole movie. Like, there's not a whole lot that goes on in the movie. Didn't we already do Avatar? When we uh, last Airbender? Like, I know, right? The whole time that they were talking about the elements, I was like, Earth! Fire! So we saw it with the kids, right? Yeah. And they're sitting there, and Nevin leans down past both the girls and goes, Avatar! <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
I also, uh, this is probably just a me thing. I highly doubt that anyone else had this reaction to the movie, but they kept talking about how water has memory yes. in this movie. Mm-hmm. This is a extremely unscientific principle that people who believe in holistic medicine firmly believe mm-hmm. that water has memory and that's why their stupid holistic bullshit works. Spoiler alert, holistic bullshit doesn't work. Water does not have memory the way that they claim it has memory. It only has memory in these fun fantasy worlds. And every time they said it, I was just like, <laughs> and that was my reaction. All right. <laughs> I have no idea what that was. But okay. <laughs> nuts. That's fair. <clears throat> I love that concept, though. Like, in, in that fantasy realm. Not yes. in the, like, holistic yes. medicine kind of way. Yeah. I love it in the fantasy oh, world. Oh, yeah. Because it's so... I don't know. It's just, like, I have big druidic energy. Like, let's be honest. It's, <laughs> it just is who I am. Like, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, just get cool. used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like, I love that aspect of things. I love that. And I love the, the elements and, like, all of that. It just was, like, uh, the whole movie, I was just like, oh, fuck, Yes. Yes. I felt like they used the water has memory thing as an excuse to get away with not doing enough backstorying. I don't know. They made this whole big deal about going to the river to find the truth, but then multiple times throughout the movie, Elsa's just like, water has memory. I know the truth now. Like, then what's the point of going to the river if you can just pull any water source from anything and find out the truth like she did at the ship? I think she had to, like, I don't know, like, tap into that ancient power to get the full truth. Mm. I don't know. But yeah, the Water Has Memory was a a plot point to be able to move the story along without having huge expositions, Mm -hmm. Um, which I thought was good because as a kid's movie, that's what you need to do. Because if you spend too much time just talking to kids, they're like, what? And they like drift off Mm -hmm. because they're kittens and they're like shiny. So using that as a plot device was really good for, you know, just for having kids. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the ship, when they do the thing with their parents. So we were taught, we were like, ah, we'll talk about it next time after you seen it so now you know that yeah yeah their parents had died trying to find yes. the answers so they to... can't be tarzan's parents right you're you're right i was... they went north and not south but here's the thing i was super confused about this because of the end of the movie okay. so at the end of the movie you know elsa finds out or not at the end of the movie it, middling end elsa finds out that she's the fifth spirit she's the one yes. that's been calling to herself all along first off i hated this whole thing it drove me nuts i thought it was stupid like you're calling to yourself are we schizophrenic now like what are, what are we doing like yeah. i just it it made no sense to me i did not like it but then they went through this whole thing of like their mother needed to go to the river Atahalan, to find out the source of elsa's powers But then when Elsa gets there, they basically are like, yeah, your mom was the fifth spirit before you, and now you are. No, I don't think that's what it was. Yeah, because she used the call to save the dad. She called Gail to save the dad. No. That's not how I pulled it. That is 100% how I pulled it. No, Elsa's mom was just part of that tribe, and they had a connection with the spirits. So she called for help, and the spirit helped her, but I don't think she was ever the fifth spirit. I don't know. It just came off very because much like... Because if she was, then she would have still had powers, even though she was living in Arendelle, after she went there with their dad. But she didn't have any powers. She never did. But maybe she didn't, because she was cut off from them when... But Elsa had powers, the... and she was cut off. Yeah, that's true. So I don't, I, don't th- I don't think the mom was intended to be the fifth spirit. I think she just 
was able to call for help from the spirits. Well, regardless of that or not, the way that they portrayed it when she was in Atahalan and in that ice cave where she was seeing all yes. of her memories and things was that her mom knew what was going on. Because she did the little weird duet part where she was like, it was you all along, basically. Yeah. And I was like, then why were you going to Atahalan to find the source of her power? You obviously already know. Well, maybe the mom didn't know she was the fifth spirit and she was going there to try and find out from the fifth spirit. Maybe, but then Marahoney? Mary? Mary Honey? Mary Honey? Yeah. Maria Honey? I don't know. The one Elsa was talking with across the fire? Yes, the one Elsa was talking with across the fire, which that would have been adorable, Disney. Come on. But if she was telling her about the fifth spirit, so it's obvious that the people in the tribe knew about the fifth spirit. So I don't understand how her mom could have been that. Well, maybe they knew there was a fifth spirit. Like everybody knew there was a fifth spirit, but they didn't know it was going to be an actual person. They thought it was maybe more like, you know, the water or the air one where it's kind of like, you know, Uh, a thing and not necessarily a Maybe, person. but like how, if you are a person that's grown up, ste- you've grown up steeped in that lore and the lore is like, there is a bridge that is this fifth spirit between right. people and elements. And then Elsa walks into your camp. And you have a daughter that can freeze things with her hands. Well, no. Maybe that would have been the first thing that popped into my mind. As soon as they said there's a fifth spirit and it's a bridge between spirit and and elements, I was like, oh, it's Elsa. Yeah, exactly. Like halfway through the movie, I'm like, oh, it's Elsa. It's Elsa. Yeah. Okay, go. So I guess the way that I saw it with the the mom is that that is her connection to the the mythology of the Nordludrans, where it's like, it's not so much that the mom necessarily knew or anything like that, but that was the personification of it for Elsa. So like, kind of like tapping into that spirit of the fifth spirit element. Like she had the magic powers of the spirit, but didn't understand what she was or how to use them. And so like the personification that the actual spirit used was her mom. But she's, but she, but but it's not a spirit. She's the spirit. Like there's, Technically, okay, she's so not even really a spirit. I think she's what just... we ran into was a plot hole. <laughs> yes. We we tipped over and fell into a plot hole. Much like um, she did when she fell into the uh, <laughs> cavern. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is something that little kids will overlook. Oh, yeah, completely. They will zink. It's only us adults who are like, hold on a minute. Right. So, in that aspect, it, I mean, kids are just not going to see it. We're mm-hmm. picking it apart. Right. We're, well, and that's what we're supposed to do. Well, no, and I understand, and I'm 100% for it, because I love picking things apart <laughs> and gaming the system. 100%. But, like, kids aren't going to see it. No. Yeah, but I think it's lazy to make a kid's movie with plot holes in it and just be like, well, I don't have to deal with it because kids aren't going to see it. Like, there weren't. Sure. At least that I remember there weren't plot holes in the first movie, so why did you then make a second movie that had one giant-ass fucking truck? he could have driven through it <laughs> like I don't know the whole idea around why their parents decided to leave just does not make sense to me with the mythos that we were given at all especially with the cavern scene where she's watching her mom telling her like oh it's you it's been you all along and I did not like what they did with Elsa in this movie at all okay Elsa in the first movie was like the personification of depression and when they were talking when they were doing the end of the unknown story like um song I was like oh this is gonna be really cool she's going into this like new phase of her mental illness where she understands what it is now and now she's getting to the point of like okay what comes after understanding yeah because 
just understanding what you have does not necessarily mean that you then suddenly know how to live with it. So I was excited because I was like, oh, it's going to be this whole storyline about like finding other people like her and figuring out how everybody deals with these things and blah, blah, blah. It, it basically ended up being like, if you have depression, all you have to do is believe in yourself hard enough and everything will be okay. And I was just like, this is not... This, this does not feel like the same messaging that you were giving me about her in the first movie. And I was very upset about that. And then I was also extremely, extremely upset about Anna's song in this, her grief song, When Olaf Dies. Oh, yes. Because it's basically like, most people have been saying, oh, it's the song of depression. And I'm like, no, we've never set any precedent for Anna having depression. You are now just taking something that is a legit medical illness that people can't change. It's not not triggered by grief. Like, there are things that can d d trigger certain things of your depression, but, like, even when you're in a good place, you still have depression. It never goes away. There are ju It's just there all the time. Whereas, like, grief is a totally different experience from depression. Right. Like, grief is triggered by something that happens, and, like, I'm not invalidating that experience. That is a very real, true experience, and it sucks. But it is not the same thing as having depression. And they basically were just like, oh, here's a song about depression, and then you know what you do if you have depression? You just take one more step. You just take one more breath. You just do the next right thing, and every everything will be okay. And like, while that's true on some level, and like, it's great messaging for people who are having problems with like, maybe suicidal ideation, as a whole, saying that your depression is suddenly going to get better as long as you just do the next right thing is so dangerous. Well, I saw, like, especially because I come at this place as a, from a mother uh, and with kids. So I saw it as, um, and I don't have depression or any of that stuff. So I, I saw more of her, her song, a song about just her grief about losing a friend. Mm -hmm. And that how she's really sad and it sucks and it hurts and it's so horrible. But sometimes all you have to do is stand up and take another step forward and you have to, you know, keep moving forward. You can't sit in a hole and do nothing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't help anybody. The yeah. only way to help people is to get up and move. So I didn't see it as a depression thing. I saw it more of as like coming from a grief standpoint. And coming from that standpoint of like how to deal and manage grief, I think that that is is a good perspective of like just dealing with grief. I think that then the song changes, but I just felt like the way that they were talking about it felt yeah. more like depression to me yeah. than it did well, just and, grief. And, and the thing is, is too, is like everybody walks into a movie theater or uh, experiences a piece of media from their standpoint. Mm -hmm. So the way you saw it is correct for you and mm -hmm. that's fine. And the way I saw it is correct for me. And you have to take it individually. Right. Well, and I saw it a third way. Go for it. I didn't actually see that as, I mean, I saw it as grief and I saw it as depression, but I, that to me screamed anxiety. Um, like her entire story, Anna's entire story just was just anxiety. Like that constant, like I almost lost you and I can't lose you again. So much is changing. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some things never change, but I mean, let's be honest, they do. You know, and that whole thing, it was just, when we got to that point, it's like, as someone whose anxiety always manifests in a way that like I freeze, like I get to a point where I'm so anxious, I literally can't function. Like, you know, that idea of like, okay, I can't worry about what is going to happen in like six steps from now. I need to focus on one fucking step. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I need to make one right choice right now. And the the rest of it will take care of itself eventually if I continue to just focus on what's directly in front of me and take that one right step, make that one right choice mm -hmm. every time. That's how I saw Anna. I didn't see Anna as like 
I mean, yeah, it was shown in that situation of grief, but it was a lot more about, like, her entire story was just constant anxiety. Like, I, every time she opened her mouth, like, my panic was rising because I'm like, oh, I know this conversation. I've had this conversation or I, I know this conversation with my sister and I've had this conversation yeah. with her focusing on me as Elsa and her as Anna and the situation of, like, are you okay? Are you good? I can't lose you. Don't you dare do anything stupid. Like, you know, mm. things like that. And so it was a very, I don't know. It didn't feel like depression to me. I can definitely see your argument for anxiety and a lot of the other things that she did too. Like a lot of the conversations she had with Kristoff when he was trying to propose. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like Kristoff was necessarily putting his foot in his mouth. I think Elsa or Anna was hearing something different than what was being said and that is something that happens a lot with anxiety. Mm -hmm. It's like someone says one thing but your brain is just like oh they mean they don't love me anymore. Oh what do I do about that? Why don't they love me anymore? What's wrong with me? What did I do? Like I, I can definitely yeah. see that, especially in the way that she was talking to Kristoff during that whole thing of like, oh, you don't love me, you don't want to be around yeah. me, you don't blah, 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 when really he's trying to propose. Like, poor Kristoff. Oh, poor Kristoff. <laughs> well, and the thing I love about Kristoff is that scene towards the end where he comes, he swoops her up, what do you need? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's I'm, not, I'm here for you, I'm what how, do you need? Right. It's not... I'm going to fix this. You sit here and I'll take care of it. It's a, how can I be most useful to you in this situation in a way that is not going to be in your way, mm-hmm. but rather a benefit to lift you up. And again, as someone with anxiety as well, like that is such a, that's like such a Rick move for me. Like the number of times that I've been like losing my fucking shit and he just looks at me and goes, I'm here. What do you need? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I'm yeah. like, and then, I just need a fucking then, hug. <laughs> like, <laughs> And not really that, but he follows through. She's like, I need to get up to the bridge. He's like, okay. And he takes her over and he lets her go. He tells her to climb up and he'll come around the other way instead of like, oh, wait, wait here. I'll go up first or anything. Like Mm -hmm. he was just like, okay, you go. And 100% trusts that she will be okay and make good choices and be able to come out on the other end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like props to Kristoff for this whole damn movie. Kristoff is fucking goals. Like, okay. So the last line where he's like, "Um, my love isn't fragile. Yes. That was probably my favorite line in the whole movie. Because how many times do you watch a movie or read a book and one character pisses off their partner and that partner that small mistake and then they don't love them anymore because they mm-hmm. walked away without them right Kristoff 100 straight up goes you made a mistake we'll work on it my love isn't fragile I'm still with you mm-hmm. and I was just like yes mm-hmm. thank you so I saw that line less of like you made a mistake and we'll deal with it and it's fine I yeah. still love you and more of like her saying like I got so wrapped up in what was going on with Elsa I forgot about you and that wasn't okay and him being like you can love other people and that doesn't bother me (laughs) and for me that harkens to that idea of like the girl that gets a boyfriend and then totally dumps her friends and then her friends are all mad at her because oh she got a boyfriend and now she doesn't love us as much anymore like I loved that thought of like you can have love for multiple people and that doesn't bother me that doesn't have to bother you like your love doesn't have to be fragile in that way of like oh, if you are spending more time with someone else, then obviously you don't love me as much. Well, and I love that as well, like building on that, because it's like we work with young kids. The number of times that like when I was working with the four-year-olds that it was like, well, this is my best friend. No, you can't be my best friend. This is my best friend. And like, I'd have to be like, no, you can have more than one best friend. You can love more than one person. 
it's okay. And, you know, like, they'd be like, well, no, you can't. I'm like, well, I have two best friends, or I have three best friends, you know, and, like, that whole thing. And I love that this movie is kind of introducing that concept at a young age. Like, they can start to internalize that of, like, it doesn't have to be a one-in-one type mm-hmm. of situation. You can have multiple people that are so crucial and important and just the core you know you could have one that's romantic you can have one that's your your sibling you can have one that's a best friend Mm -hmm. you know it's just i i love that and the different types of love yeah they did a good job with that in this movie again of like the sisterly love the romantic love the the bromance that they started playing with with Um, you I'm, talk to them too. It's like, like you know what they're saying, and then you just say it. And then you just say it. Hundred percent. What I do yeah. with my dogs. Let's be honest. <laughs> you guys have seen it. Oh, I do too. I did not particularly like Kristoff in this movie, and not because he necessarily did anything wrong, but he just kind of wasn't there. He was like, once again, I think, a kind of a sexy lamp, except for a few instances, yeah. a few little minor parts. But yeah. Um, the other thing I didn't, I didn't like was his. Like, I liked his song. Oh, and the words. It. I hated it. But I hated that it was an 80s ballad. Yeah, okay. So I think that's why I couldn't get behind it. It was a weird... I didn't see it as an 80s ballad. We killed, I, we, we, we killed, killed Rick! Rick. <laughs> we killed Rick. I didn't see it as an 80s ballad. I saw it as a 90s boy band. Love no, Well, they did. They, 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 they hated they, it. They hit the, the Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. uh, stack of heads. Yeah. So it was, it was an 80s... Like, an, it harkened to an 80s hair band uh, love ballad. Oh, I yeah. just um, hated it. I hated I, it. I love the words. I love the, the thought message, behind it. The yeah. message. I love that he was a male character showing his emotions mm-hmm. and doing all of that. I couldn't get past the 80s ballad part of it. And it broke the movie for me. Because yes. I'm like watching and then Thank I'm like, you. what yes. is I, this? I could not stay engaged in this movie at all. Like there were multiple times, like there would be a certain dialogue that was going on. And then all of a sudden my brain would be like, this isn't Elsa and Anna. This is Idina and Chris, Kirsten. Like that, that, and it was throughout the whole movie. But that was another point where I was just like, I'm not watching the movie anymore. I am now like on the outside looking in, trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Cause this just got weird. weird, yeah. I think it was them attempting to put a joke in for parents and missing. Missing. Oh, missing I felt like it met. Yeah, it like, definitely If that missed. song had been maybe one verse instead of as long as it was, I think it would have been really funny, but they went too long with or, it. Or if they had him singing it and then maybe one little clue into the right. 80s ballad, mm-hmm. like just one section instead of the whole thing. Yeah, right. it was. It, it would have been better. It seemed like an acid trip. It was really strange. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> It, it, it was so bad. Yeah. Like, I I really, I just couldn't. Like, everyone that I've talked to is like, oh, you're going to love Kristoff's song. It's the best song on the whole thing and blah, blah, blah. It's not. I hated it. I hated it. I Like, well, like Fern said, I really enjoyed the, the words to it. Like, I, I really liked that. I enjoyed the sentiment. The, yeah, but the, the actual song, song was terrible. Like, ugh. I'm not a huge fan of that hair ballad yeah. nonsense. I was also waiting but. for the point where the song ended and then he looked at Sven and was like, oh, no, I'm actually lost. Like, and that for yeah. me would have kind of saved it a little bit because yeah. I, because like during the song, they're like moving around and walking through the woods and doing all this stuff. And then at the end, they're just like sitting back in the place where they started. And I was like, no, but it would have been better if he actually got lost in the woods. And that's why he was gone for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Because that's the 
last time you see him until the end when he scoops her up and goes. Yeah. That's it. That's all of Kristoff that you get. And you got more of Olaf than you did Kristoff. They made Olaf more annoying. How in the fucking world that was possible, I don't know. But every time that stupid little carrot-nosed snowman was on the screen, I wanted to shove pencils into my eyeballs. Like, it was... He was so annoying! No, agreed. Oh my god! And they leaned into it. Hard. They leaned into trying to give him a story arc of becoming older and maturing, and they even gave him a whole song about it. And I'm like, but he's... But I'm like, he's a snowman. He's a goofy sidekick. Don't give him a story arc. He's a goofy sidekick. Um, I think a big part of the difference between the movies, too, is like the first one, they were just making a fun movie. They were making a fun Disney movie. This one, they were tried way too hard. Mm -hmm. And they tried way too hard with Olaf to give him, like, more... But he didn't have more. He, he still ended up in the exact same place. And they pulled the exact same stunt from the first movie where it's like, all I am here for is to die. Because yeah. that's exactly what happened in the first movie. Some people are worth melting for. Great. Fantastic. But then he, we had to do it again? Yeah. Like, I agree. I loved that line. I thought that that was a great little thing. That was the yeah. only good thing that Olaf had from that yeah. first movie was kind of showing people like, hey, some people are worth getting hurt for. Yeah. But then we did it again. We had the exact same scene. He dusted, like, uh, from Infinity War, <laughs> which is killing me. I'm like, I'm like sitting there going, okay, so Spider-Man and Iron Man? Sure. He's just like, dusting so away. Oh, I was just miss no. honor. I, I feel didn't so good. Oh, no, he started, so he started dusting away, and me and Bobby made eye contact down the aisle, and are like, what is that? But yeah, so he's just like, yeah. But yeah, Olaf. No, I did Olaf. not like his song. Olaf um, I didn't like Summer either. No, but no, like Summer was bad. Too. I like Summer better than, than this, this. I'm growing up, maturing song. Yeah. I, I felt like they were doing it to try because they kept making little hints of like, like during the opening song where he looked up and went, "You all look older too," and he was looking at the audience. I think they were trying to make this point to kids of like, "You're older and you're growing up, and like you're like Olaf and blah blah blah." And I just don't. First off, I don't think it would have hit with kids the way that they wanted it My to goodness, because yeah. I don't know if they necessarily identify with Olaf. Like, I don't no. think that's the character that little kids are going like, oh, I want to be Olaf. They're like, oh, I want to be Elsa, I want to be Anna, I want to be Kristoff. I would even see Sven before Olaf. Like, let's be honest, I want to be Sven. Sven <laughs> remained goofy sidekick. Yeah. I love Sven. I really wish they had just cut Olaf. Like, Sven was the goofy sidekick, and then you had the little Newt, and I think the, the, the newt between... Was the Newt was so adorable. His little, like, nuzzling into her hands. I know. Oh, I and then, like, like the snowbank and he like he goes oh, yeah. like and he settles so into the snowbank and the snow and the, the smoke that comes out yeah. and i loved the idea of like when you watched the little fire spirit before you realized it was the new like the movements and everything were so neat and you were like oh is this like gale where it's just another like yeah animated like expression of this element and then you find out that it's this tiny little note that's just like super quick and like like I don't know. Cool. And it's also that thought of, like, something so small can bring so much destruction because yeah. that's how fires are. Like, a little spark can turn, you know, it into, yeah. you know, absolute chaos. So I thought that was interesting, too, yeah. just having the tiny little salamander be the be the, the spirit. I love that salamander. He was really that cute. That salamander is just... Newt salamander? I'm not sure what he was. He was lizard. a salamander. Lizard. There are salamanders up in that part of the world. Right. Um, yeah, so he's probably a salamander. Well, Do salamanders lick their eyes the way that he kept licking his eyes? I don't know. I don't know. At 
seems like a newt thing to me, but then again, we're in a fantasy world where they could probably take well, artistic also, licenses. Well, also, salamanders in a lot of fantasy worlds tend to be creatures of fire, um, and so that's why I always assumed it was a salamander. salamander. Yeah, okay. yeah, so like that in D&D, there's, like, there's, a, there's a, a monster that's um, a salamander, and it's a, it's a fire creature. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. that's what I've gone with. Whether or not that's what it is. Gale was good just because it was like... I love Gale. Just... It was just the uh, leaves. Yeah. Oh, hi, just Dale. Leaves. I um, thought that... The it, horse was cool. The horse was cool. I was I was happy that they went with the nod to the, like, Greco-Roaming tradition of, like, Poseidon is the god of water and horses, and so they yeah. had the water spirit be a horse. Zach was actually explaining to me, because I've never really understood why those two things go together. I was like, yeah. horses and water? What? Mm-hmm. Um, but Zach was explaining to me that, like, when you look at a waterfall, the rushing looks the same way as, like, a stampede of horses does, mm-hmm. which is where that connection comes from. So when you're watching the horse jump from yeah. the tidal wave, it would look the same way that a stampede of yeah. horses would, and that's what, where that, that connection comes really from. a really cool scene when she's running at the waves and diving through and the ice I and love then that. the horse. My kids are like, <gasps> because she keeps getting pulled under, and they're like, ah! Like, it was, it was really tense, but it was fun and then yeah. she ends up like I don't want to say like conquering the horse but like taming taming maybe is a better word yeah well she 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 was going on this thing of calming all the spirits yeah. so I think that that was kind of yeah. the, what they were going for I will Super say cool. thinking about that scene visually this movie was stunning was absolutely I mean like it, not just the scenery and the the extra fun characters and things like that but like just Anna and Elsa and Kristoff and like just the the actual human characters too. Yeah. There were some points where I was just looking at them and I was like, you can see every freckle on Anna's face. You can yeah. see every strand of hair. You can see like fingernails. Like at one point they're holding hands and I was like, holy crap, their fingernails look like fingernails. human fingernails. Like yeah. it was nuts to me how gorgeous this movie yeah. was. They put a lot of effort into the animation. Oh yeah. And it, and it was beautiful. It showed. Yeah. Beautiful, uh, beautiful. It, yeah. was, it was an incredibly well done movie from that aspect. Yeah. <clears throat> the art in that in this movie was just stunning. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. I really enjoyed so like in the first Frozen, right, you have the Ice Harvester song that has a very it just it it harkens to in my mind Vikings. Yeah. You yeah. Know, a very it, like and driving beat. Working, right. working song. A working right. song, yes. Yeah. It has that like that bass to it. Well, and then you get the the song about the river. Which is very Which is a very Yeah. Mm, it's not even the, the driving bass necessarily. It's the it's that like you know, we talk about with Brave, it's that like Bay Wild yeah. haunting oh, song. And I just like that's on my that's on my uh playlist of future lullabies for when if we ever have kids. Like that is a song I will learn and sing to my child. Oh yeah, it's a beautiful it's song. It's gorgeous. I thought that that was a very good lullaby that they made. I also, the song that made me think the most about the Ice Harvester song was actually the song that the, um, the Norludrans sang when they discovered that their mom was part of the tribe. Oh, it was that, yeah. like, pounding, like... That was so yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, that was what reminded me about the Ice Harvester song, where yeah. it was that same, like, pounding, driving kind of, like, not chant, but almost chant. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and that really harkened back to me. I felt like they they did a good job keeping continuity musically with what they did in the first one. Because you're right, the end of the unknown was very much the let it go. Although I will say, in the scene where she's walking around all the snow people and all the memories, so after okay. she's discovered... Into the, in the uh, spirit. Yeah, she's finish. in the spirit hole. <laughs> the spirit hole. <laughs> she's in the spirit hole. <laughs> 
<laughs> and she's found out that she's the fifth spirit, so now there's all these memories that have yeah. come to life in, like, 3D snow, and she, like, flicks Hans away, and he just hilarious. crumbles. There's a point where she walks up, and she's singing Let It Go, and she makes this, like, disgusted face at it, and I was just like, but that resonated with so many people in such an important way, and you're just flipping it off like, that's not me anymore. Like, yeah. that's, again, it's, it's, it's this thought that they kind of decided that depression was no longer an issue. Yeah. And I, I was just a little upset about that because it, we just, we yeah. did such a good job in the first movie and then it felt like the second movie was curing her. And the only cure she needed was to realize who she really was. Yeah. And I don't feel like that was where we should have gone. Yeah. I was really hoping for her to find someone like her. So then there could have been this exchange of like, how do you deal with this? Yeah. I was really wanting that voice to be another person. But then you're right. As soon as you found out, oh, there's this bridge, you were like, oh, it's also. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's also. But then it was this weird thing of like, I'm calling to myself. I didn't get it. I yeah. really didn't get it. I did like that there was no bad guy. Oh, uh, yeah. There was no villain. There was no the villain. villain. The only villain was their grandfather but it happened 30 what was it 34 years prior to them doing this yeah. adventure so there was no actual villain yeah. and i enjoyed that i enjoyed that there was no one to fight mm -hmm. um because a lot of these movies like even with the first one they were against hans yeah they were against the clock and against hans but this one there was no there was no villain mm -hmm. so watching the movie one of the things that's notable i think is that they're you know talking about there not being any villains the guy who i would have assumed was going to be the villain ended up not and was also a person of color yeah you know, that's a pretty cool so, thing. So in the first movie, there was no people of color. Yeah. It was it was a village of white people, mm. which makes sense because they're in Scandinavia. Well, right. supposedly in Scandinavia. Mm. Norway, somewhere up in there. Yeah. Because they talk about fjords yeah. all the time. So it makes sense if it's in the real world. So what I read an article, and I forget what it was called, and I'll try and find it and clue everybody in later. They talked about the fact that people were like, correct, yes, up in that part of the world, there's very few, if any, people of color, especially in that time period. But this is a fantasy world. And in a fantasy world, you can do what you want. Mm -hmm. So the Disney animators and creators listen to the public. And so in the second one, they pin in a few nods to some people of color. So if you watch in the scenes of Arendelle, you will see different skin tones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of in, in interspersed. It's not great. Right. It's not like there's a huge percentage. Mm -hmm. But there are a few. And then there is that one guy, um, the, I forget his name now. The, he's the general. General something. Mateo. Mateo? Mateo? I think so. Something okay. like that. Yeah. But then like when he goes back to Arendelle, he finds his long lost love, who is also a black woman. Um, so I they love that did... picture of them just both stoically, <laughs> like strangely looking at the camera. You can look at our picture until I get back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was very cute. And I enjoyed the fact that he wasn't the villain, that he ended up just being like, confused and stuck in this world for 34 years yeah matthias matthias m-a-t-t-i-a-s yeah that sounds about right matthias yeah. yeah okay but yeah but there was very few i think they definitely did better than the first one like i don't oh, think there's 100%. any argument about that yeah. i just don't i don't know if they went far enough i think you could have gone farther they probably could have done a little mm -hmm. bit more mm -hmm. yeah but we had uh, a semi-main character i wouldn't call him a main character uh, we had a character that was named that had speaking lines that advanced the story in some way that yeah, was a had, person of color. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also worth noting though that they did have that distinction between like indigenous peoples and yes. colonizers. Yeah. And the indigenous peoples were did have a darker different skin tone too. I guess they did. Yeah. And their it eyes, wasn't, their it facial wasn't too structure, terribly much. Their facial structure was different too. Right. Mm -hmm. Not a lot but 
enough. Yeah. And I, I really loved the thought of, you know, there have been a conflict and then they were all stuck in that forest together and they were kind of enemies. But then really when you saw the, the main girl from the tribe and Mateus together, they were they were kind of like buddies, but yeah. they were like putting on airs because they were supposed to be mean to each other. But they both knew exactly how long they'd been stuck in that forest and they helped each other out without a second thought. And like, I really loved the whole like, oh, we are going to right the wrong. I think that was my mm-hmm. biggest thing was the, the, like you pretty aptly said, the colonizers coming back and realizing we did a bad thing. We disrupted this culture. We made a problem for not only them, but for us. We need to fix it. And actually going through and doing what needed to be done, even though it was bad for them, and fixing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that we, as Americans, could take a lesson from that. Just saying. Or six. There's about, I could think of about six different things that (laughs) do to fix our shit. Anyway, I just I I did enjoy that aspect of the story yeah. of like oh if we tear down this dam it will destroy our entire town yeah all of it but I also loved that thought of like the the spirits weren't always out weren't out to get them necessarily like the spirits had driven them all out of town because they knew that if they took this journey and did the right thing the town would be flooded yep and so they wanted to get everybody out so it wasn't like even the spirits which were kind of the, the what you thought were gonna be the bad guy didn't end up really being the bad guy they no. had done not bad things for good reasons but for lack of a better term yeah. bad things for good reasons like they had disrupted they scared, the whole town yeah, they it scared, scared everybody, everybody to get them out but at the end it was because they wanted to help they wanted to help which they i thought was very interesting hurt, yeah. but along the lines of people of color i think the other thing that we were all hoping for in this movie was that we would get someone of a different sexual orientation than just hetero and it's I mean, there was always those rumors about Elsa. Yeah. And then when she's sitting by the fire with Mary, 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 honey. I'm gonna look her name up. Yeah, please, please. I don't either. I watched. I keep wanting to say Honey Lemon, but that's from Big Hero Six. Honey Marin. Honey Honey Marin. We were so close. Honey Marin. I thought they missed an opportunity there. Oh, completely. I was so upset about that. It was such a good opening. It was right even there. If, even if it wasn't a lot. Like, they didn't have to kiss, but just like a, I don't know, like a handhold or like an eye. Like an eye or like even an a eye little look. bit of awkwardness. Yeah, or, or something. Like, especially a hug at the end yeah. when, when Elsa comes back. Yeah. Well, especially at the end where Honey Marin's like, oh, maybe you should stay. That would have been the perfect point for Elsa to be like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, I guess I could. You know what yeah. I mean? Just that little bit of like awkward, like, oh, I like you and I don't know how to deal with it kind of thing right. would have even, I would have been a lot happier with that than than nothing. But I also have another theory. Ooh. Ooh. So back when they do the flashback of Anna and Elsa playing with the snow action figures and dolls and mm-hmm. stuff that she makes. Yeah. You know, Anna's like, oh, and then, you know, the princess and the prince, they kiss, you know, and baby, or young Elsa goes, no, that shouldn't happen. Ew, gross. Yeah, and then like, she's kissing like, kissing won't save the forest. Yeah, she's like, kissing, the romance, kissing, you know, when she gets the horse and the, the fairy God princess mother. comes yeah. out. Maybe she's asexual. I, yeah. Maybe she's aromantic. Yeah, I could definitely... Because she never has a love interest. Even with Honey Marin sitting right across the fire, she's just like, oh, a friend. Mm -hmm. You know, she never has that. So maybe that's that. Possibly. That could be very interesting. But if that's the case, I would like them to come out and say it. Right. Because... 
it's so easy to leave asexuality ambiguous because oh, yeah. definitely because it because by definition you are not interested in anyone sexually. Yep. So therefore, it's easy to just be like, well, she never had love interest, so obviously she's a- asexual, and like then come out and say then that. say it then say that then do something with it because yeah. that representation matters too. Yep. But it's not fair to just leave it there and have everybody assume that that's what it is. Right. Like you need to come out and say that that's what it is. But I agree. I think that would be a very interesting thing too because even at the end when she goes and she's living with the tribe yeah she's it doesn't seem like she has any interest in like taking a prince or, or a princess or a princess or, or anybody, or anybody. Yeah. yeah she's just kind of like i'm one with the spirits now yeah Would she rides like she rides off ride? <laughs> yeah she rides off on she turns the the horse into ice and mm-hmm. rides off and with no i mean and there's anna getting married and all that stuff but yeah she has no interest in any of that mm-hmm. at least it seems like she has no interest in any of that yeah Frozen 3, maybe. Oh. Are we getting a Frozen 3? I God, I, I hope not. That. Would not be surprised. Man, this Ugh. one, honestly, I dislike. And not, Disney didn't do the same marketing campaign that they did for the last one for this mm, one. Thank God. The big feminist thing. So I didn't even go into this thinking like, oh, I have a predisposition to not liking yeah. this because of the way you decided to market it. They mostly just went, look at all these fun animals you can collect. Like, that was basically their entire marketing scheme. But I did not, like, I didn't, I guess I didn't dislike it, but I just didn't like it. It was just a movie that I watched. And honestly, I couldn't stay into it because they did so many weird things in the movie. Zach pointed out that in almost every song that they sing, there is at least one shot of the character with a microphone of some sort. Like, Kristoff does it with the um, oh, pinecone. Pine Elsa does it with ice at one point. Anna does it with Olaf's hand at one point. Like, there are multiple huh. points where it's just a character with a microphone, basically. And he was like, it kept popping me out of the movie because... He kept noticing he it. He kept noticing it. And he was like, it's just basically the voice actor standing there with a microphone. And I felt like they did do a lot of, like, taking the voice actors, which I know they do in all animated movies, but it felt very poignant in this one. Taking the voice actors like movements and facial features or expressions. Uh, expressions thank you and transposing them onto the characters in the movie which i think was another reason i had such a hard time staying yeah. immersed but overall eh. I'm, I'm i'm on an upward side of the meh it was good i didn't like some of the songs but overall it was all right i fucking loved it <laughs> <laughs> i i don't know i tend to not be quite as critical of kid movies as i am other movies um, yeah. And I also tend to, it. I take a long time to kind of get to a point of like, huh, about that. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, so for me right now, where I'm at, I loved it. I mean, yeah, it's a kid movie. There's going to be giant plot holes. There's going to be stuff. It doesn't make it okay, but I, I have a little bit more grace for it because of that. Yeah. You know, it's not meant for me. It's meant for someone else. I just happen to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do want to bring up one thing. Yes. Costuming. Yes. Both Elsa and Anna wore pants through most yes, of the movie. Did. Yeah, it was interesting. I loved Anna's cloak thing. Yeah, like she had the like half her... jacket yes. cloak, cloak thing. I yeah. loved that. I was like, that looks very cozy. I want it. <laughs> I, I would wear that. <laughs> like, that looked like the perfect thing to wear to, like, a Renaissance festival on those days where it's, like, chilly, Chilling. but you still want to be in costume. Yeah. I just like that they were in pants, so when costumes come out for kids coming yeah, October, there'll be pants instead of the big giant ball gowns. There will still be the big giant ball gowns. Oh, yeah. I that know, gown but... that she transforms into with the very poignant butterfly-type wing things that go off the back. I didn't like Anna's, or not Anna's, I liked Anna's costuming choices. I didn't like Elsa's costuming choices as much in this movie mm. as I did in the last one. I felt like they were trying very hard to, like, 
change her. So they were choosing some things that like didn't make as much sense for me. Hmm. Yeah. I kind of like the when she's running into the waves, the throwing off her. I thought her that cloak was cute. And stuff like that. Yeah, and her like, shoes. She took her shoes, shoes off uh-huh. and, and yeah. just like okay, barreling into the waves. This. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I loved that. But other than that, the rest of the costuming really felt kind of. It didn't stick in my brain very much. I am not a clothes person. Yeah. If you know me, I'm in jeans and a t-shirt every day. I will point out that both Elsa and Anna had multiple costume changes throughout the more movie and Sven, or not Sven, Kristoff wore the exact same thing until the very end yep. where he got dressed up for an hour. Yep. <laughs> what a dude. Oh, and then she walks by and she goes, that's okay. I like you in leather anyway. And I'm like, yeah! <laughs> like, what do you two get up to in that Zach bedroom? and I, I looked at Zach and was just like, smacking him. Like, did you do this? <laughs> those are the type of jokes that movies ha- kid movies have to have for adults yes. those things not 80, 80s ballads god that song was so weird but just <laughs> so just bad. those little things where adults go oh, oh and kids have no, no idea, idea. Like, what mom None. yeah